all of us, uh, you know, when we made the decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior uh, and, and ask him into our heart to save us, uh, change took place. Our, our status or our standing uh, was changed. Uh, we were outside of the family of God, and now we are in the family of God. Uh, but at, so, so our status is t- taking place. We are new creatures in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have what? Become new. So all things have become new, talking about the new spirit man that's on the inside of us. But how many of y'all will, are willing to admit that even though you were changed on the inside by being a new creature in Christ, there's still some things that you have to deal with that, that that's a part of this, uh, the soul realm and the flesh realm that we have to uh, contend with. Correct. There are things that we have to, uh, to shake loose or to grow beyond to be in a position where God can use us like he wants to use us. Right. So tonight we're going to continue with our teaching on change. It's the third part of this. And we're going to talk about developing your patience. Anybody need some change in that area? I need to see the hands of one person developing your patience. All right. We're going to talk about it tonight because that's critically important for us as born again believers. Go with me to James chapter number one. And we're going to start our, our study there. James chapter one. Uh, and we'll begin reading at verse number two. James chapter one, verse number two. And while you get in there, you know, I took the liberty of looking up the definition of patience so you wouldn't have to look it up, okay? So since I did that, I believe I deserve at least one thank you. Lou, can you give me a thank you? Okay, all right, thank you, thank you. All right, so the definition of patience, look, look at what it says. It says, it says, the dictionary says, patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering, watch this, watch this, Without getting angry or upset. Can we read that out loud on purpose? The definition of patience is what? The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. All right, so, so that's, that's our working definitions on patience, okay? James chapter 1, verse number 2. Let's begin our reading there. Praise God. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes... Your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Verse three says what? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse number four says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let's read that same passage from the King James version of the scripture, okay? For the same passage from the KJV. My brethren, do what? Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, all right? But let patience have her perfect, perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting what? Nothing. Wanting nothing. Okay, so talking about developing your patience. Again, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Now, I would, I would surmise that, again, a good proportion of the body of Christ needs to work on this development of the patient process, right? Um, as we look at the book of James here, as he writes here, uh, we deal with trials and temptations. Uh, the Greek word used for temptations or trials throughout James is, uh, I'm going to pronounce this the best way I can, per, uh, I think it's parasmus, per, parasmus, okay? And it means to tempt, it means to tempt, to try, to test, to prove. Everybody say tempt, try, test, and prove, okay? Throughout the Bible, the word parasmus and its various forms are used to refer to both the temptations and the trials of life. But note that the word means far more than just to tempt. It means to test, to try, and to prove. If I say test, try, and prove. Now, all of us have to be tested, tried, and proved because none of us are where we need to be or where we ought to be. 
And many times in the body of Christ, one of the reasons we have to be tested, tried and proven is because a majority of the time we think we are farther along in the Lord than what we actually are. Uh, The scripture says this. Every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. See, all of us at some point in time, I think we 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 begin to. I don't, I don't know if the right word is dupe ourselves, but we're in, the, we're in a, a state of self-deception of thinking that we're someplace that, in God that we really are not. Okay? Many of us uh, uh, thought that we, were, we could handle a, a, a cantankerous church member until we ran into a cantankerous church member. Many of us thought we were able to handle that family member and to be able to to do it in a spirit of love until that person got on our last nerve. And then all of a sudden, our our ability to handle that person in a God-honoring way was exposed to not be there because once that person got on our last nerve, we fooled around and cussed them out. And now we know. It was proving that you're not as far along as you thought you were. Amen? See, guys, the temptations and trials of life are to prove us. They are for a beneficial purpose. They are permitted by God. Everybody say God allows it. They are permitted by God for a good purpose. And what is that purpose? To make us stronger and more pure. That's why they're permitted, to make us strong and more pure. Go back to James with me right quick. Uh, And and let's let's walk through this and we're going to. Move here through here quickly. James chapter one again, uh, verse number two. Let's look at it again. Dear brothers and sisters, when you're when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, again, I, if I'm if I'm a betting man, most of us do not consider troubles as an opportunity for great joy. But that's what the scripture text just told us to do. Right. And guys, do you not understand that if God tells us to do something then automatically we should know that no matter what our background is, no matter how much trouble we've been through, we should know that we have the capacity to do what God is telling us to do. Otherwise, if we did not have the capacity to do what God is telling us to do, then we would be serving an unjust God because he tells us to do something that we are not capable of doing. Right? Can I get a witness? And I think when we look at sometimes, sometimes as parents we can be unjust. But God is not unjust. Sometimes as parents, we're, we're, we're expecting some things out of our young children that they're not capable of doing at the, at the time that we expected it out of them. And that's why we, it's important for us to continue to guide them and to lead them and to give them direction. Okay? Say, for instance, if you have a 16-year-old daughter who's looking to start dating, you'll be a fool as a parent to, to allow her to get, enter into a dating relationship without guidance and instruction and parameters and boundaries. Huh? And you with your 21st century self talking about, well, I believe that, you know, we need to give them their space. Space? They're 16. They need guidance. They need assistance. They need help. Even at 18, they still need it. 22, they still need it. But at 22, you change from being the one who's who has a firm direction on how that's going to guide to being the counselor to help move them along as you give good God on advice. Are y'all with me today? So 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 guys, God, what am I saying? God will not ask us to do something that we're not capable of doing because he's a just God. We as parents sometimes can be unjust because we sometimes have expectations or, or give more freedom than what, what is really is needful for a child at a certain age and time in their life. Dear brothers, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Verse 3 and 4. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So trials and temptations, what are the results? When we conquer temptation, we become a much pure person, more holy, more righteous, and more just. When we triumphantly go through the trials of life, we become a much stronger person, more steadfast, more enduring, and more persevering. 
When we stand up against trials and temptation, we become a dynamic witness to all those who see us. Amen. We demonstrate the living presence and power of Christ that he actually does live in our hearts and lives uh, in our hearts and lives and is going to give us eternal life. So, guys, what am I saying here? Our our ability to withstand the trials and the temptations of life. Act as a witness, amen, to the world that Christ is actually, Brenda, living on the inside of us. See, people are watching you whether you realize it or not. People will inherently, if they're around you for a certain period of time, they'll begin to pick up on your, your little habits, your little idiosyncrasies, your little ways. And, and, and a lot of them, even your children will imitate you. They, they, they can say stuff the way you say stuff. They can, they, they, because they're watching you. People are watching you. So don't think for one minute that, that in, in this Christian life, you don't have uh, people on your job and your schools and your neighborhood and your home that are, that are observing how you do life. Amen. Listen to me very carefully. God allows temptations and trials for a good and beneficial purpose. Amen. To prove us. To make us much stronger and much more pure and righteous. God wants us to face the temptations and the trials of life and to conquer them. Everybody say conquer them. And by conquering them to become more like Christ and to make Christ more fully known to the world. When we conquer those temptations, we we, we become more like Christ and we make Christ more fully known to the world. So. Uh, so what's the attitude? Attitude needed to face trials and temptations. What's the attitude we need? We need the attitude of what? Joy, right? There's only one way to face trials and temptations with the spirit of joy. We have to switch our thinking because it is not natural for us to believe or to, to have joy when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a test. That's not the natural response. So if I'm going to have joy, if he says count it all joy, I've shared with you before, that's an accounting term. To count it means I got to add it up. I got to decipher. I got to figure it as joy. I got to make sure that that my attitude is at a certain level or at a certain disposition when I'm going through. He says, count it all joy. Okay, I got to make sure that my attitude is, is, is there. There's only one way to face it is to change or switch our thinking, turn our attitudes about trials and temptations completely around. Okay, we have to quit thinking negatively and think positively when we're going through a trial. In the words of scripture, we must know something and we must do something. Everybody say know something and do something. What do we got to know? We got we got to know that trials and temptations work patience. That's what James 1 and 3 says. It produces or it works patience or endurance. Trials and temptations are not in our life to defeat and to discourage us. That's the, I'm going to say it again. Trials and temptations are not in our life to defeat and to discourage us, but to prove us, to make us much stronger and more pure and righteous. That's why they come. So when it comes in my life, then now if I know it's coming to prove me, to test me, to make me stronger, to make me more like Christ. So when it comes, rather than me whining and complaining about the fact that I'm dealing with this issue or this person, then I realize that that issue, that person is in my, my life to prove me, to test me. So now, if I know that this is happening, this, this situation is happening to prove me and to test me, it gives me a totally different approach to it, right? Rather than me feeling sorry, whining, complaining, I'm like, okay, God, what are you going to use? How are you going to use this situation to grow me? How are you going to use this thing to help me get to be more like Christ? Because if that's why it's coming, according to what James says, then now I got a different approach to it, okay? So I got to know something. I got to know that the trials and temptations it works patience. Okay. Second thing is I, m- I must do something. I, we, we, we all must do something. We must let patience work within us. Everybody say, let it work in me. Okay. So we, we know that they are not trials, not to defeat us, but to prove us, to make us much stronger and more pure and righteous. Go with me to first Corinthians 10 chapter, verse number 13. First Corinthians 10, verse number 13. Watch what it takes says here. And then we go to Hebrews 2 and 18. And we're going to talk about four ways to test your patience. Because some of us think we're patient, but we're really not. Huh? Because every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. If I were to ask everybody here, how many of y'all really love the Lord? You, your hand would go up. But when I start, <laughs> we start looking at our lives, 
Love is an action word, right? How many of y'all have had somebody tell you that they love you, but their actions indicated something different? Anybody in the house? Oh, girl, you know I love you. Well, you do. So why did you do that? Okay. See, love is an action word, right? Watch what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says here as we move in here. Ready to read. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Why? Listen, guys, don't, do not miss that. Just if you got your Bible, you still carry a Bible. Uh, if you got an electronic version, highlight it. If you got a, a, a regular Bible, mark it or write it with your pen. God is faithful. Everybody say God, God. is faithful. Look, at, look how faithful he is. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. All right, so, so the faithfulness of God is on trial right here because what he says is, 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 is he won't allow, he, he will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. So anytime that I or you say I couldn't help it, we lying. Are y'all with me? Anytime that we say that we can't help it, we can't help ourselves, we are not telling the truth. Because if, if that is the case, then this scripture right here is not true. And I believe that the word of God is true versus your own opinion or my own opinion. Because we can fool ourselves into saying that we couldn't help a certain thing, but we can. Right? How many of y'all have, have said before that, I, you know, I, I, Pastor, I couldn't help it. I just, you know, I just, I, I, I had to go eat that cake. Anybody ever been there before? And, and you know, it, it, it's so amazing that that you, you could, uh, or, or let's say, first you're going to eat, a, eat, you know, you're going to skip lunch or skip dinner, or whatever. Uh, and and if you can be working all day and, and and busy doing something and not even think about dinner or even think about lunch and you go blow right through lunch, but the moment I declare a fast, a corporate fast in the church, it seemed like. That lunch break just, I mean, it just seemed like you, you about to starve to death and you got to get something for, to eat done. But, but in a normal course of a day, you'll work all day and don't even think, oh, think, I didn't even eat today. But the moment of the fast is declared, then all of a sudden, you got issues. But you can do it, right? Watch this. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Are y'all with me? When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? Endure it. You can endure it. You can endure it. Watch this. When you are tempted, when I am tempted, you are tempted, all of us are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? You can endure it. Go to Hebrews 2, uh, chapter 2, verse number 18. Talk about change. Glory to God. Hebrews 2, verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now, the writer of Hebrews is talking about uh, our great high priest, Jesus Christ. He's been, through, he's, he's been through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we are being tested. That's the beauty of this thing, guys. Many of us have attempted to live this life in our own strength, in our own, in our own power. But I've shared with you before, we have resurrection power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help us live this Christian life. Are y'all tracking with me tonight? Watch this. See, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So when we go through a test or trial, we have some help. Look at 2 Peter 2 and 9 with me right quick. Watch this. 2 Peter 2 and 9. Hallelujah. Second Peter two and nine. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. The Lord knows how to do what? Rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. So so we see here we have help. God is faithful. He's not going to allow us to be tipped above which we're able. But with every temptation, make a way of escape so we can be able to bear it, right? That's what the scripture says. And he, he's, since he's been through what we, we're going through, 
He's there to help us. Right? So you're not alone. You have some help. Turn to your help to deal with those things, trials, and temptations that come in your way. Okay? Now let's get to this next last part here. Four ways to test your patience. We're talking about developing patience. Okay? We know that the trials that we go through are there to prove us, to test us, to help us develop endurance or patience. Because again, go back, what did we say patience was? The definition was the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. So four ways to test your patience, to see if you really are patient. The first one is interruptions. How many of y'all hate to be interrupted? Jesus' disciples didn't like interruption. Go to Matthew 19. Watch this. These cats walking with Jesus and and they 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 had they you know they, they were still they were still growing and being developed. They were walking with Jesus, but at the same time, they, were, they these guys still had a lot of work that had to be done, right? Which tells me that even when you're with Jesus, He still got to work on you. Even though you're saved, there's still some work to be done. Watch what the text says. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so He could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Look at that again. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for what? For bothering the master. For bothering. They became impatient with people who interrupted Jesus' schedule. All right. Look at the next verse. Verse 14 says what? But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Y'all with me there? So they were they the, the disciples. Can you admit they were not very patient? Especially Peter, right? Uh, how you handle interruptions is the first test of your patience. Interruptions. How do you handle interruptions? Okay. First test. Second test is inconveniences. You know, we as Americans have a microwave mentality. Are y'all with me? We, we got a microwave mentality. We want what we want right now. Is that right? We have minute rice. Versus regular rice. We have fast food, right? You go to the fast food place and if the line is around the, the corner like it is at Popeye's now, people get impatient, right? We, you know, we, the, the inconveniences of the long line. You know, we, but we, we, we want everything quick, right on point, right? Uh, minute rice, fast food, 10-minute oil change. And then even... Uh, you know, we have the expectation that people uh, we are calling or texting should respond right away. How many of y'all get upset when you don't get a response right away? Some of y'all, especially you texting your spouse or calling your spouse, you text your spouse. You, I text you, well, I was in a meeting. Why'd you get mad that your spouse didn't text you right back? Come on, I, I, know, I need some married folks here. I need some girlfriend and boyfriend. I need just some mamas and, dad and, and, and children up here. See, sometimes we get so impatient because people don't respond right away. I call you. Did you leave a message? No, well, you didn't leave a message. I'm not going to call you back. I don't tell you before. I don't scroll through. And some of you young folks, you millennials, y'all don't leave messages. You better start leaving messages if you're doing business with somebody. Because us, us 50 years and old still check our voice message. Do y'all hear me, millennials? We still check voice messages. Y'all don't. But if you're doing business, you leave a message to get a call back, all right? But we'll get a, you know, we, we, we're so impatient uh, that we don't, we don't want to be inconvenienced by having to wait for somebody to call us back, okay? Martha, uh, Martha, had trouble being patient in the face of inconvenience. Go to Luke 10. Y'all know the story. Luke 10, verse number 38. Story of Mary and Martha. Luke 10, verse number 38. Inconvenience. You ever been inconvenienced before? Maybe some of y'all have felt like Martha. Now again, think about this for a second. Jesus and his guys came uh, 
and uh, to uh, to spend some time at, at Mary and Martha's house, right? So when somebody comes to your house and they're going to be there for a prolonged period of time, it's it's common courtesy to you know to fix them something to eat, right? Would that be? You think they'll be at your house seven, eight hours or so? Y'all just sit there and look at each other. You hungry? They hungry? But ain't nobody saying nothing. <laughs> Am I right about it? <laughs> But Martha here had a, little pa- <laughs> had, had a little trouble being patient in the face of this inconvenient situation because you, there are more people there than, than what was normal. You know, when you have family homes for the holidays, that can be inconvenience, right? My wife accuses me of not wanting to give up our bed when we have company. She said, I'll give it up, but I don't give it up. I, you know, I, I try to look at all other alternatives, mattress, air mattresses in the game room or Hotel room down the street. <laughs> uh, but that can be a little inconvenience, right? How many of y'all going to have family coming in for holidays? Anybody? Are you going someplace else? It inconveniences everybody because that's, that's not the norm. So here we have a situation where the text says, and Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Y'all know the story. Keep reading. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't it seem unfair to you uh, that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Look at the text. Watch this. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Is that what Jesus told her? So, guys, listen, but, but this, this is an inconvenience. Now, again, you know, many of y'all got Martha mentality. Come on. There was work to be done. And, and I'm not saying that Martha was wrong, per se, as much as she, her priorities were not in line. Okay. Because, again, when it is inconvenient when you have, um, uh, you know, when you got more people over, you got to wash more dishes. And then and then uh, guess what happens at a lot of folks house when, when you for Thanksgiving, uh, you, know, you know, when you fix all the food and everybody's eight and full and want to watch the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, Bobby. What a lot of people do, they'll go and sit down and start watching the game and leave you in the kitchen to clean up. You got to clean the kitchen up, put the food up, right? See, around our house, we believe in everybody pitching in, okay? And if I come to your house and eat dinner with you, I'm going to, if you don't, I'm going to ask, do you need some help? And I'll even go in there and start helping out. I do it at the house, don't I, baby? I wash dishes. Don't I? Come on, tell them, tell them, I'm, just, tell them I wash dishes. Okay. But, 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 but that's, that's an inconvenience when you got a lot of people over. But what's your attitude when you're being inconvenienced, especially if you're being inconvenienced unexpectedly? They didn't tell you they were coming by. Hello? They didn't tell you they were coming by. So how, you, how welcoming are you going to be? Oh, we were just in the neighborhood and we just dropped by. You ain't never did it before. So here they are at your house, just dropped by. You didn't know they were coming, and now all of a sudden you're scrambling, you, you know, you fix this mouth, and then now you said, well, you know, okay, okay, hey, don't y'all get as much as y'all normally get. You know, we didn't know they were coming, so we're going to make sure we got enough to eat. How do you handle those inconveniences? See, listen, uh, that's going to give you an, ir- an illustration of where your patience is. That's a way to test your patience. You know, maybe you feel like Martha sometimes. Maybe you are carrying that extra load and you feel put upon and inconvenienced. You would like to be sitting at Jesus' feet too, but there's work to be done and you're the only one who seems to be aware of it. My question to you is how do you respond when you're inconvenienced? That's going to tell you where your patience is. Are you patient despite the inconveniences in your life? Are you? Look at the third thing, irritations. How do you handle those little things in life that just get under your skin? It's going to tell you where your patience lies. How many of y'all get irritated with long lines, traffic jams, people who give long answers in Sunday school? 
go past it, want to preach a, a mini sermon. What are you over there doing? Mm, bless her heart, bless her heart. See how you respond to those irritations gives a window into your patience. Go to Numbers the 20th chapter. Moses became irritated with the Israelites on one particular occasion. Numbers the 20th chapter. Let's start at verse number 10. I hear some of y'all smiling. They ain't got to tell it all at one time. <laughs> Numbers 20. Verse number 10. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. This is Moses. <laughs> Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? Watch this verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now watch this. Okay, water came out. But guess what? What did God tell Moses to do? He told him to speak to the rock. What did he do right here? He struck it with his rod because he became, he became irritated with the children of Israel because of all that murmuring and complaining. It irritated him to the point where he, he disobeyed God. Have you ever got so irritated you disobeyed God? Moses' impatience calls him to disobey God. When God told him to speak to the rock, to get water, he struck it in anger instead. And as a result, God did not allow him to enter the promised land. For many of us, our greatest irritations in life are people. Can we talk? For many of us, our greatest irritations in life is people. But how you handle those people is a window into your patience. Because what, what do we say God is using these trials and temptation to do? To test us. To prove us. Is that correct? Look back at your outline. To test us. To prove us. To try us. Amen? Are you with me today? Um, you know, we all run into people, if we're honest about it, including in church, we all run into people who can be irritating and get on our nerves sometimes. And maybe you're a person who gets on somebody's nerves. You ever thought about that? We're always looking at other folks. Maybe you're the person who's getting on people's nerves. Right? But we have people in our life. But we, we, we must learn the lesson of the oyster. Y'all know about the oyster, right? An oyster, uh, which produces a pearl, and it starts, that pearl is produced because when sand gets into that oyster, and starts to, to irritate it, it begins to secrete this substance that over a period of time it hardens and it becomes a pearl. A pearl is valuable, right? Any of y'all ladies got pearls? I mean real pearls. All right? Those pearls are valuable, but those, that, that, that pearl started with an irritation. That, that the oyster was being irritated and secrete the substance that ultimately hardened and become a valuable commodity. And sometimes in our lives, guys, there are people who irritate us, but, but if we'll learn how to handle those irritations the right way, we can become more valuable to the body of Christ. God can use us, amen, to, to move across a broad spectrum of people and not get so irritated that we disrupt our flow and disobey God like Moses did. So how you handle irritating people is a window into your level of Patience. Amen. Learning to respond to irritations positively will enable you to transform your irritations into pearls. Just touch the name of your neighbor. Turn your irritations into pearls. Number four, inactivity. These are this there's four ways to test your, your, your test your, your, your patience, okay? Four ways to test your patience. We said number one was what? Interruptions. Number two, inconveniences. Number three, irritations. Number four, inactivity. Most of us would rather do anything but wait. Just being still and not moving. Job is an example of a man who could do nothing but wait. Go, go, go to Job uh, 14 and 14. Job waited on the Lord. Tell me, why can't I? Oh, why can't I? Y'all remember that singing that song? 
Job waited on the Lord. Many of us can't wait. The text says, can the dead live again? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. And I would eagerly await the release of death. You know, Job, uh, you all know the story. Job went through a lot of stuff. Okay. Job went through a lot of stuff. But guess what, guys? How did that, how did that process start? Anybody remember? It, start, it started with God saying, Satan, you walk, Satan walking to and fro and off trying to find somebody who he can mess with. And God picked Job out to be picked on. He says, have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright man, right? He just shoes evil. And so God picked him out to test him, to prove him, to try him, okay? And so go over to Proverbs 19 and 2 right quick. Uh, Job waited on God. He waited for his change to come, okay? So uh, waiting sometimes gets the best of some of us. Because we want it right now. If we don't sense that God is moving, we'll, we'll jump and get ahead of God, won't we? I don't know about you, but I've gotten ahead of God before. And every time I've done it, I've regretted it. Hello? Proverbs 92. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste what? What is haste? Being in a hurry? Yeah, it absolutely does. Haste. I, I tell you what, do, do me a favor. Let's go back up to, uh, let's go to that verse one of that, of that same chapter. I'm going to read that. Chapter 19, verse number one. Watch this. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. I like Proverbs. Proverbs just kind of break it down for you, right? Better be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Verse two, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Again, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. So you can be enthusiastic about the things of God, but have no knowledge. Then you can still mess a whole lot of stuff up. That's why I think in, in the book of Romans, uh, Paul said about the Romans, I mean, about the, uh, the, um, the Israelites in the book of Rome. In the book of Rome, he says, brother, my heart desired God to pray for to Israel is that they might be saved. For I bad you reckon they got a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They've been ignorant of God's righteousness. They went about to establish their own righteousness and therefore did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. So in other words, they were zealous, but they didn't have knowledge. There are a lot of folks who are zealous about the things of God, but they don't have any spiritual and doctrinal foundation. And those folks can be dangerous. We went to the, uh, the Boombach Classic. I think that's what they call it. Uh, Southern and Jackson State uh, this past Saturday. And as we were driving up uh, to the stadium, on the corner was a, some, a group of guys with purple robes on and, and, uh, uh, and, and they were shouting on the microphone, all of them wearing beards. They, they were these black Hebrew Israelites. They had it written on the back of the, uh, their thing. And they were just shouting and hollering and, and, and telling folks about what, you know, they, they, they going to hell and all this other kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the white man, this and that kind of stuff. And it just, it was just, it, I sat there and I listened and I said, how in the world do they think they're going to win somebody uh, with that kind of mentality and that attitude? Zealous, but not according to knowledge. Zealous, but don't have a proper biblical foundation. Those folks can be dangerous. Watch what this says here. Uh, verse number three. Skip down to verse number three. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Back up and read that one again. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. We go out and make choices and decisions without consulting the Lord and then get mad when the Lord won't come and bail us out. There are times, guys, I'm going to tell you, God will show grace and mercy and come pick you up and get you out of it. But there are other times when God will say, listen, you got to stay there for a while because you hadn't learned your lesson. So, but, but <laughs> people will ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then get angry at God about it. Okay? Look at verse, I like number four here. It says, wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. When you got money, people will come and hang around you. 
want your advice, want to want to want to want to cheer with you. But if you don't, if the moment you become broken, poor people scatter. Okay. Now, so 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 guys, uh, again, uh, the, the main verse I want to look at that was enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes when you are not patient. When you when you won't, uh, um, you know settle or be willing to wait, then you end up making choices and decisions that end up hurting you in the long run. So how to become a patient person? Number one, develop a new perspective. Develop a new perspective. Proverbs 19.11 from the NIV says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view, getting God's perspective on a situation. All through the Bible, God equates patience with maturity. Go to Proverbs 14 and 29. God equates patience with maturity. Immature people aren't patient. Even the body of Christ, if, in, uh, when you're not mature, uh, you, you, you become impatient. I mean, if, even if you're part of, a, of, of an organization or a group in the church, let's say for instance you join the choir and you're on fire for the Lord. You want to sing God's glory, but then Sister Adam won't let you lead the song. So now because you hadn't led the song, you get mad and you get out the choir. See, that's immaturity. All right? Immature people are not patient people. The text says that people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great what? Foolishness. Read it again. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. See, a person's wisdom yields patience. We say it in 1911, a person's wisdom yields patience. When I'm walking in the wisdom of God, I'll be a patient person. Okay? This says people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. So watch out for folks who have hot temper, people who get mad easily. There's a, there's an indication that that they're not patient and they're they, and they they are they're not mature spiritually. Okay, um, wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. Okay, look at the next thing. So we got if we're going to become a patient person, we got to develop a, a a new perspective. In other words, I I got to stop looking at life from my own vantage point. And I got to allow the mirror of the word of God to direct my thinking. I was reading an article today. You know, uh, there's a, it's high, high, in, in, in Montana, um, the school system up there uh, is, uh, is, is coming, coming down hard on the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which I, I, I've, been, I've been a part of FCA ever since I was in uh, college over at Tech and still serving the board here. But they're, they're, they're trying to push FCA out of their schools now because FCA uh, uh, in their in their tenets of, of faith say that they believe that you know marriage uh, is for between a man and a woman and now they, the school system is saying well you know we don't want to discriminate against anybody and we want to let our children make their own choices and decisions and so they, they're trying to push FCA out of the school uh, because of their stance on the sanctity of marriage as defined by the Holy Scriptures. This stuff is real, guys. And it's happening even uh, in our school system here, right here in Bossier Parish. has been sued because of religious expression. Do you not know that teachers can't pray with a kid if he came up and said he's going through something? Uh, they would be disciplined if they did so. Uh, children still have the right uh, of, of First Amendment right of free expression of religion, but um, uh, uh, employees can't do that. Okay, so there's a lot that's going on. So we got to make sure that we stay focused. Okay, so develop a new perspective. Don't don't let the perspective of the world begin to infiltrate your mind. Let God's word determine how you're going to think about life. Amen. Number two, develop a sense of humor. This is real good. Learn to laugh at your circumstances. Learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. All right. Uh, We do a lot of laughing around our house. Okay. and because laughter does uh, soothe you. Amen. Go, go, to, go to Proverbs with me right quick. The 14th chapter, verse number 30. Proverbs 14 and 30. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. 
Okay, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Look, uh, read that in the in the King James version. If you can pop it over there for me, right quick. Glory to God. It says a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. So don't be an envious person. A sound heart, a a a, a heart that's 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 cheerful. It, it 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 results in us being more healthy. Go to Proverbs fifteen and thirteen, right quick. Proverbs 15 and 13 says a glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. Okay. A glad heart. So, you know, if laughter do it good, like a medicine, then I want that medicine. Amen. Go to 17 and 22 Proverbs 17 and 22 real quickly. So develop a sense of humor. You're going to become a patient person. Sometimes you have to learn to laugh at, at the weight. You know, there've been times when I've, I've been impatient the train stops. Some of y'all have done this. And <laughs> Yvonne, I know you've probably done this. You, then all of a sudden you get out of line, cut across, and all the other impatient people did the same thing that you did. And you went down, you crossed from Benton Road, went to airline, and now airline is backed up. And then all of a sudden you come back around, whatever. And then, and then there are times when you, you do that, and by the time you get around and get over there and get around there, the, the, where you left, they already half a mile in front of you because you were not patient enough to wait. Anybody ever done it before? Huh? All right. So, so just chill out. Okay. You know, we got to learn how to not take ourselves so seriously. Develop a sense of humor. Scientific studies show that people who laugh live longer. All right, some of y'all, some folks don't die because they're just too mean. <laughs> Human attention dissolver, y'all. It's an it's an antidote to anxiety. Learn how to laugh. You know, learn how to have a sense of humor. Okay, y'all with me? A cheerful heart is 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 what good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Learn how to have a sense of humor. Number three, deepen your love. If you're going to become a patient person, you got to. Develop a new perspective, develop a sense of humor, deepen your love. First Corinthians 13 and 4 lets us know that love is patient and kind, right? Deepen your love. Love is patient and kind. It goes on to list some other things, but I want to stop that love is patient and kind. This means that when I am impatient, I'm being unloving. Because if love is patient and kind, if I'm not being patient, that means I'm not being loving. Correct? If love is patient and I'm being impatient, that means I'm not exhibiting love. Right. And I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll confess that sometimes when uh, I, I don't exhibit love, uh, there's sometimes when um, my wife is getting ready. And we get ready to go somewhere and uh, she tells me she's ready to go. How many how many husbands know when when your wife says she's ready to go, that really means it's about 15, 20 more minutes. If y'all ain't scared, raise your hand. <laughs> so how, how, do you, how do you respond? You know, you know what I learned to do? Here's, everybody say the pastor has learned. I've learned to appreciate that timetable and that schedule. I know she, in her mind, she really thinks she's ready, but she's really not. All right. So what I've learned to do, but she's still, if I'm waiting on her, what I learn to do is go and start reading something. Go, I, I, you know, I go, go read my Bible. Go take my iPad out and look at some news. Or something, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show impatience. <laughs> Leave while you hear me, because when I'm, if I'm showing impatience by, you always, that's not love, right? Because love is what, patient and what, kind. All right. So whenever the next time you become impatient, you, you, you know, go, go to first Corinthians 13 and say, are you being unloving? Amen. When you love someone, you care about that person's needs, desires, hurts and point of view, not just your own. When you are filled with love, almost nothing can provoke you to anger or cause you to be impatient when you filled with love. I'm going to prove it to you. How many of y'all when you were dating your wife? Come on now. Or you were dating your husband. Some of the stuff you get mad with them and go off on with them now, you didn't do it when you were dating them. You laughed at every corny joke. 
You waited patiently for her to get ready or him to do whatever. You went and did something with his, stuff with him that you, I mean, you went, went to a football game. You, 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 you couldn't tell the difference between a tackle and a defensive back. But you were up there in the stadium because he was there. You were so patient. Cook for him. And now you don't even cook. I'm just saying. When you're filled with love, almost nothing can provoke you to anger or cause you to be impatient. And, I, and guys, that's a test for all of us because I, 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 I'll be honest that sometimes I can be impatient. Can, can I, baby? I can be impatient. So, so y'all, y'all say, Pastor, let the Lord work on you. All right. I, I will. I will. Okay, I will. Look at Ephesians 4 and 2. 4 and 2 right there. I'm going to get out of here. Ephesians 4 and 2. Glory to Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Watch this. Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. He says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? If I make an allowance for your fault, that means that I don't crush you when you make a mistake. I don't run away from you when you disappoint me. Because my love for you it's going to make an allowance for your fault. I will overlook that fault because of my love. I'm filled with love for you, okay? That's what Paul is telling the church here. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Last thing, depend on the Lord. So if you're going to become a patient person, develop a new perspective. You know, when the, when the temptation and trials come, count it all joy. Stop looking at it with grievance, okay? Just know that God is testing you, he's proving you, he's trying you, he's trying to cultivate and develop you, okay? Depend on the Lord. Okay, uh, so develop a new perspective, develop a sense of humor, develop, deepen your love, and depend on the Lord. Psalms 37, 3 through 7 right quick, and that's the last one. And, and guys, patience is not just a matter of human willpower, it is the fruit of the Spirit. You can't psych yourself up and say, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. Yes, I am. I'm going to be patient. You're going to be patient. No, it ain't just a willpower thing. It's a fruit of the Spirit that has to be developed as you allow the Holy Spirit to have more of you. Trust in the Lord and what? And do good. Then you will live safely in the land and what? Prosper. Verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. Commit everything you do, okay? He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Verse seven, be still in the presence of the Lord and do what? And wait patiently for, can we read that out loud? Come on, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Quit worrying about folk who who doing bad, doing wrong, and it seems like they're prospering. Don't worry about it. God God, God will take care of that. You just wait patiently for the Lord. Wait on him to act in your life. So those things can help us to to walk in uh, and and become uh, more patient, developing your patience, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for this.